Welcome, one and all, to episode 122 of the original Draft Breakdown Podcast. I'm your host, Seth Cox. With me tonight, my co-host, Justin Higdon. And Justin, you're, uh, you're dodging tornado weather out there in Chicago. Uh, I know because it delayed my wife's flight two hours yesterday. It was fantastic. Um, nothing like starting your week off with a late flight getting in even later, right? Right, and I've been uh, I've been away from Chicago for... It had been about 18 days until I got back yesterday, so they're welcoming me back with a nice uh, summer thunderstorm and trying to uh, keep me off the internet, but I will not surrender. So we are going to do a show tonight, and we're going to be talking about the last group of um, FBS teams. That would be the independent FBS teams and the group of five teams and we're doing a little different this year or this week because there aren't uh there are just too many to talk about every single team so what we did is we came up with our top 10 uh group of five and independent teams and we've actually got a bonus team in there because when i first made the list and sent it to seth full disclosure i left out uh cincinnati bearcats so spoiler alert they will be in there but uh, so we, we're giving you 10 plus one from the independent and group of five ranks. So, uh, Seth, I think we, we we bounced this list around. We came to an agreement that these were the best of the best from the group of five and independent ranks. And our number one group of five independent team is the best of the bunch from last year, too. And that was Notre Dame fighting Irish. Yeah, and Notre Dame, it makes sense to me. I mean, I know people are going to lament um, a lot of the guys they lost, including the winningest quarterback in school history, which is just a baffling notion when you watch Ian Book play. But the reality is they were that good in in spite of Ian Book. Um, and so Jack Cohn comes in from Wisconsin. He's the likely starter. We're not going to say, you know, that he's going to be the guy all year, but he's he's the likely starter. And that's fine because they have a phenomenal rushing attack. Um, they had you know they leaned on their running backs last year and this year it's going to be probably even better um when you when you look at it they've got to figure out the offensive line but that's something they always do right and and then you look at their tight ends as well they you know they have the top tight end prospect in the 23 class yeah um, michael meyer michael mayer and, and then and, uh, they've got a playmaker at receiver and braden lindsey too so yeah there's a couple weapons for Cone to work with. I think we both feel like he's a one-year kind of stopgap solution for them. They've got highly recruited freshmen in uh, Tyler Buechner Buchner coming in next year. And uh, But the interesting thing about Notre Dame is like a lot of the top teams we talked about when we did conference previews, they've got a ton of new starters, uh, nine new starters on offense alone. And then you've got... Uh, about half of the defense coming back, a little more than half the defense. So you've got uh, 14 total new starters coming back for Notre Dame. So that'll be a bit of a challenge. But with the run game, Kyron Williams is the lead back. Chris Tyree is a speedster, 4-3 guy. He's going to get be the uh, second back in the rotation. And uh, they've got a big-time defensive prospect in Kyle Hamilton. So there's a lot of uh, optimism around this program. I don't think they're going to repeat as a playoff team. No, and and I mean, let's be honest, they shouldn't have been a playoff team last year. But every uh, time they get in, they get the doors blown off. But they'll still keep getting in if they can go, you know, undefeated or maybe be a one-loss team with that big win like they had last year, uh, because they're money maker. Yeah, and then the other you know name to know that's going to be another you know early round first three round pick on along the offensive line which is what you know Notre Dame's known for right now if you're if you're a uh, parent of an offensive potential offensive lineman in college you send your kid to Notre Dame or Alabama right I mean like that's where you send your kid or Wisconsin or Iowa probably 
Yeah, but uh, Jarrett Patterson's the guy this year. He's they they don't know where they're gonna work him in yet. Yet um, last year he played center, I believe. Um, mm. They're but, talking about left tackle, yeah, right tackle, left, left guard. Yeah, they're they're literally talking about yeah. him at every position but center this year. I guess so, that speaks to you know what kind of player he is as, as far as at least the versatility is, right. is concerned. And, and then the fact that he's probably just their best offensive player this year, draft eligible offensive player, obviously Mayer, and then running back Kyron Williams are their best yeah. players. But and Williams uh, is draft eligible. We should oh, clarify. Oh, is yeah. he? Okay, yeah. I didn't know. I he's I a he rich. They, they list it funky at Notre Dame, but he is in his third year out of out, okay. of, out of high school. Okay, that, that they makes they sense go by there. academic when they list him on the roster. So, but I, I think he's. A you know what you would call a redshirt sophomore. Notre Dame is the top team, but they're not the only team that's going to be looking at a potential. Um, I, I what do we even call these bowls anymore? The, the with the, these teams, we're probably talking New Year's Six bowl, yeah, like so the top year- the top uh, group of five or. And this, you know, if we lump Notre Dame in with these guys this year, we're looking at New Year's Six Bowl, probably not a college football playoff bowl. Yeah, and so the other one who was in a New Year's Six Bowl last year um, choked a big lead away was <laughs> Cincinnati. Um, and you know what? They're a, they're a good group. They're a, a talented um, group led by, you know, senior quarterback Desmond Ritter. Um, he's kind of the guy that makes that that team go um 31 total touchdowns last year as the uh, aac offensive player of the year um luke fickle has done a great job there as the head coach i i'm actually surprised he hasn't left yet um i'm assuming after this year he probably will but what it what are your thoughts on Cincinnati, could they potentially be a surprise team in the um, in the college football playoffs, or are you like one hundred percent? There's no way. I, I'm I'm pretty much one hundred percent. There's no way. Like ninety nine point nine percent. There's no way. They've got some tougher. Uh, they've got some tougher non conference games. I think than they had last year. You have, they have to go at Indiana. They have to go at Notre Dame, and uh, they've got to get they've got to play UCF, which is going to be not an easy game. So uh, even if they just you know they 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 are going to have to beat Indiana at least on the road. Uh, a loss to Notre Dame probably knocks them out too. You know, I mean, because th- this you know we talk about group of five, you pretty much have to go unbeaten to have a shot, and then even a one even then a one loss. Uh, you know, Ohio State team is still going to get picked ahead of them. A one-loss Clemson, a one-loss maybe even Oklahoma is still going to get picked ahead of Cincinnati. It's going to be frustrating for their fans. It's going to be frustrating for their coach. Um, I'm not sure I agree with you, though, that Fickle is going to jump to take the next job because I'm pretty sure he's been asked to interview for some bigger jobs in Cincinnati, and he's turned it down. And what he's what he's been saying is that he wants to build a program. Uh, 35 and 14 there as the head coach. He did have that one year as Ohio State's interim coach. I think it was 6 and 7. That was in 2011. Last year, Ohio State was a non-factor. Uh, after that, Urban Meyer came in. Of course, they've been on a roll since then. But Fickle is in a comfortable position at Cincinnati where he is recruiting some big names. He did lose his defensive coordinator actually to Notre Dame. So he's he's going to have a new coach there. But um, you mentioned Ritter. He gives them uh, both a passing threat and a running threat. He had 19 touchdowns in the air, 12 on the ground. It's a good team, but I see it as at least a two-loss team, and I don't think they're going to get into the playoffs. From there, we go to smaller schools that, hey, maybe they do – surprise again maybe they sneak into a uh, new year's six bowl unlikely um, but 
they've got some talent and some names to know, and that's why they're in this list. Uh, first, we start out with uh, Louisiana. Uh, Levi Lewis is 24-4 and as a starting quarterback. All five of their starters from the offensive line are back, and they return 18 of 22 starters from last year. This is the makings of a BYU type of team. Lewis, from last year, I mean, uh, Lewis is obviously not going to be Zach Wilson in terms of an NFL prospect, but this this has the makings of a team that flirts with, you know, going late into the season and being in uh, and and being in the mix and you know starting to have people have to answer the question if they're if they belong in the in the college football playoff discussion, right? Yeah, and they start out week one with a game at Texas, so uh, you know they they pulled the upset last year when they beat Iowa State, and Texas offers I guess a similar challenge this year. A lot of people are putting Iowa State ahead of Texas, but nobody was really doing that last year. Uh, so the Cajuns they play at Texas, but then they have a pretty friendly schedule down the line, and if they can get into if, even if they lose to Texas, if they can get through that schedule, being a one-loss team, they were ten and one last year, and we saw what even in the COVID year, what a one-loss season does for them. They still only got into the first responder bowl, so I think to, for Louisiana to have a shot at a New Year's Six bowl, I think they have to go undefeated and have to beat Texas. Yeah, and, and there's no doubt that that's the expectation. Um, yeah, I know, agree with you. I think that is the expectation, and which is pretty crazy to uh, expect to go undefeated and still not, still not really have a prayer to get in the playoff. Which is it's just the way it is, unless we see a lot of these top teams stumble to two lost seasons. That we're just not going to see that until we see the playoff expansion. Number four on the list was last year's Cinderella, Darling, Coastal Carolina. Um, they've got one of the, was he top ten? I can't even remember now when we used to make fun of it. But Jamie Chadwell is in his fourth, going into his fourth year. He's nineteen and seventeen as a as a coach. He had obviously a fantastic year last year. Eleven and one overall, eight and zero in the Sun Belt. Um, Justin and I joked obviously from the PFF rankings. You know he's he's not a top 10 coach yet in the college football that's disrespectful to the coaches that have done it for longer and had more success but or even the coaches like ryan day that have done it for a similar amount of time i mean we're referring to yeah yeah we're referring (laughs) to a patreon show that we did a few weeks back um you can check that out for in the two dollar the elite tier but we were talking about a pff top 20 college coaching list that Included Jamie Chadwell, but didn't include Ryan Day. So, uh, strange, strange list, to say the least. But, so you look at it, and they've got their quarterback coming back, Grayson McCall. Um, He was electric last year, 26, just under 2,500 yards, 26 touchdowns, and only three interceptions. Uh, He was second on the team with just under 600 rushing yards and seven touchdowns. So 33 total touchdowns, only three giveaways is, is electric. And then you look at it and he, he gives what they needed so badly and what these, you know, smaller schools need. And that's a dynamic two way quarterback that can do different things. Um, He's got some weapons back. He They lost their leading running back, but they've got some weapons back uh, in, in, uh, yeah, wide receiver Javon Hiley. He's uh, he had sixty five catches for nine hundred ninety eight yards and ten TDs last year, and then they got the tight end Isaiah Likely. Yeah, so highly and likely. Yeah, uh, highly and likely. That's pretty funny. Um, McCall, by the way, their leading returning passer, obviously, also the leading returning rusher with uh, CJ Marable moving on. But I wanted. To, to touch on this because it's just what I was talking about when we talked about Louisiana a couple minutes ago. Uh, Co- Coastal Carolina actually went 11-0 and beat uh, BYU in what was a 
you know, a hastily scheduled game, but they still beat BYU and Wonder Boy Zach Wilson. 11-0 and regular season, and they still only got to the Cure Bowl. So strength of schedule is really, really important when it comes to these teams. And by the way, they lost in the Cure Bowl to the next team we're going to talk about. Yeah, and, and the big thing last year was their defense. Um, can they repeat that kind of performance and effort, or are they going to take a step back this year? Yeah, they, they have, uh, they're bringing back 19 starters combined, like total out of 22. So uh, very good chance for them to have another big-time season. But, it again, you've got to go undefeated to even have a chance. And they did that. Uh, but their schedule just didn't have the strength to push them into that playoff spot. A lot of people thought they they should have got in, but they would have gotten steamrolled by any of the teams that did get in. The Flames of Liberty are the next team on the list, and they're led by Hugh Freeze. Hugh is an amazing coach when you think about what he's done at different stops, but he just can't do it at, a big, at big schools. Like... And there are guys like that, right? That they it, they coach better than they recruit. If I can, right? You know, I think there are a so, lot of guys. Yeah, there we've talked about that a lot with the season previews. Um, and, and so you look at it; they obviously have a dynamic uh, potential first round pick and and quarterback, um, Malik Willis, but they have some other talent as well uh that they've that they brought in that or not that they brought in that they bring back to really help a team that was you know overall extremely exciting to watch yeah they they ran the table on their schedule until they got to uh, nc state and they got knocked off which goes to show you the challenge that a lot of these group of five teams face they've got that stigma that even you know we while we talked about louisiana did knock off iowa state you have this liberty team that was running through their schedule but they get knocked off by a mid-tier acc or yeah a mid-tier acc team and um, that's why they weren't even discussed as a potential playoff team and then liberty goes and beats coastal carolina who was undefeated who people did who uh, some people did push as a potential playoff team, hoping for one of those Cinderella games like we saw way back when Boise State beat Oklahoma with that hill, with that Statue of Liberty play. Um, you know, Willis is a is a really dynamic player. Um, just today, Bruce Feldman came out with this freaks list, and we're going to talk a lot about some of those players more on the Patreon show this week, but. Malik Willis was on there, and he, uh, according to Feldman, he's up to 6'1", 230. So stacked, solidly built. He, His speed has been oversold, and I think you talked about that on a previous show. He's being clocked around 4'5", flat. Which is so, extremely fast. Like, at we don't 230 have to over- pounds, it's, it's right. very fast. We and don't have to oversell how talented or yeah. dynamic he is by being like, oh, he's a, you know, is he... Lamar Jackson, is he Kyler Murray? It's like, no, just let him be Malik Willis and, and that athleticism. And and, and uh, he's also explosive. 38.5-inch vertical jump is what's being reported by, by Bruce Feldman. Uh, Willis, just like Grayson McCall, he's his team's leading returning passer and rusher, except Willis had the most rushing yards of any quarterback in the FBS, he had 944 yards rushing and uh, 14 rushing touchdowns. So that you're talking about a player who's very, very a, a true dynamic dual threat, and that's going to translate to the next level. The question is going to be about his passing accuracy. It's something we've seen. You know, he transferred from Auburn. He was an SEC recruit, and uh, the accuracy wasn't always there last year. But I believe this is a guy. He's got great arm strength dynamic athlete i'm not sure he's going to be top of the first round but he's on a on a trajectory that's going to land him into you know mid to late first round i would think the big thing is this year and we expect a lot from 
from Malik and him to take that step. But the reason it's so important is because this is a senior-laden team. Um, you know, running back Joshua Mack is a senior. Wide receivers DJ Stubbs and Kevin Shaw are both seniors. Like, this is the year, kind of like what we discussed with Louisiana. Like, this is the year when you talk about returning starters, when you talk about, you know, the team build in and of itself. So, you know, from a from a standpoint of the draft, this is the year for Willis because he did enough last year to show that he's to get his name, you know, and to get recognition. And now, if he takes that next step, it that's the expectation. If he falls back, if he if he falls a little short, it's going to be there. There are going to be questions, and, and I would say rightfully so. Next up on the list is UCF. With a new head coach in, well, an old name, Gus Malzahn. Yeah, Malik, Will- Malik Willis' old head coach, Gus Malzahn, yeah. yeah. And uh, Gus takes over one of the ten best offenses in college football. Um, so there's not going to be any drop-off in offense, is there? Um, you wouldn't think so. And the only thing I would... I would think is if he tries to um, run quarterback Dylan Gabriel too much, uh, much more than than he did last year, than Gabriel did last year, because Gabriel was such a prolific passer. I think that's got to be the focus of, of their game. I think he's got. I think Malzahn's got to resist the urge to um, do too much running with his quarterback. He's got to protect him because Gabriel's the key to their success. If he gets hurt. They could run into some problems. He was fifth in the FBS in passing yards last year, and he threw 32 touchdowns and four picks. So, guy who really uh, great touchdown to interception ratio. Guy who really protected the ball, and he, he, they also have a another. You know, UCF seems to have producing these. Uh, seems to be producing these great collegiate receivers. Doesn't always translate to the next level to stardom. But uh, Jayon Robinson's their big receiver this year. 55 catches for 979 yards and six TDs in, in uh, the season last year. The thing about this team, it, not, not just the transition to Malzahn as the head coach, but also eight new starters on the defense. So there's going to be some shootouts with this team. Yeah, and there were shootouts last year. I mean, they finished, I believe, second in – scoring oh sorry eighth in scoring 42 points per game and they were six and four how do you how do you score 42 points per game and finish six and four i just don't understand it but and then your coach <laughs> maybe it's gets good they away. have eight new starters on defense right and then your coach gets hired away at a better job right <laughs> like oh college football's the best but yeah so you look at that their offense their offense should you know, 42 points per game? Probably not, but they should be right around there. It'll be the defense that dictates what, you know, the UCF Knights do. Um, and I think it's an odd year, so that means they're going to be really good. I think that's their their MO. If, if the YouTube shows my son was showing me yesterday are correct. So, it, <laughs> well then, there's there's an actual YouTube show about their year to year record and how good they are in odd years. Or so they should years. be a they should be up for yeah. the national title like they were right. a couple years ago. Uh, next, so, next yeah, we, we have can't. the perennial team, like the team that's always supposed to be here, and that's uh, Boise State. Uh, when you look at Boise State, they have a new head coach and uh, former Boise State linebacker. Andy Avalos. He was been the Oregon DC the last two years, which has been an improved defense um, and and a defensive coordinator that's attracting big name talent. Uh, so that's going to be something to watch. Obviously, not year one, but just in general, at Boise State is if he is able. He's uh, you know probably not going to get the Kayvon Thibodeaux type of players, but you know, maybe. Um, the question becomes, who plays quarterback for them? They've got a quarterback competition going on uh, between two names, uh, Hank Bachmeyer and Jack Sears. So 
you know, which which of these guys steps up. That's the thing. I mean, when, when you look back at the history of college football, one of the things you remember are those kind of steady Eddie um, Boise State quarterbacks, right? And right. that's not been the case lately. Um, well, Bachmeyer's had some big games, but he's also gotten banged up. So they've had to play a little musical chairs there. Uh, Shout-outs to our buddy, Coach Rob Ortiz. He was a uh, coach at, at the high school when Bachmeyer was there. I believe that's in uh, Marietta, California, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, I've been hearing about Bachmeyer since way back, way back when he was a high school junior, I think. Um, but he's got, like you said, he's got to compete against Sears. He's a transfer from USC. And both guys clean slate now with the first year head coach, the first time head coach, who, yeah, he has a history at Boise, but he wasn't there last year when he was over there at Oregon coaching the defense. Uh, but he does, speaking of defense, Avalos does have a guy to work with, an interesting prospect to work with on the defensive side, and that's uh, defensive end Shane Irwin, who had six sacks in only seven games last year. So Irwin looks like he looks like he's going to be the next big thing as far as defensive player at Boise. Who's the fat kid that came from there that everybody loved as the pass rusher? From a um, years ago, from a couple of, oh, Curtis Weaver, Curtis Weaver, yeah. who is yeah, he's a little, he was a little chubby, he had some bad weight on him. And I, this is but I can say that Curtis Weaver now with the Cleveland Browns, now with the is Cleveland he, Browns, and, they, and uh, he's supposedly he was hurt last year. Um, he was able to work out though, and supposedly has transformed his body, and uh, they like what they have there. Curtis Weaver, he might be a part of their pass rush rotation this year. The defense is going to be what sells or wins Boise State games, and they've got a lot of senior talent. You mentioned Irwin. They also bring back linebackers Riley Wimpy and Ezekiel Noah. So, I mean, they are – and then they have a safety, a senior safety in uh, a name I'm not even going to try to pronounce. Kekalahu Kaniho. Yeah, Right. Yeah. So Kaniho is a big time playmaker. Um, he's a little bit on the smaller side for safety, but he's a guy who is one of those hair on fire. Uh, he's all around the ball all the time. He'll play special teams. He'll he'll block kicks. Like he's a he's a guy that is you always notice him if you watch Boise. Yeah, and so that's the thing is they've got veteran talent at every level. Yeah. The question becomes, you know, do they are they able to turn that into consistent play, and will they get anything from the offense this year? Next, we go to Nevada, and Nevada's got a quarterback that you guys need to just remember the name. Um, Justin and I are not going to say that he's this year's guy or anything like that, but he is. Well, we're not going to say it, but I think you'll find people on Twitter that are, are already saying it. Yeah, I saw yeah, mock draft today. From a new site, Rise and Draft, uh, Ryan Roberts wrote the, uh, he's he's the lead, uh, I guess, draft Nick from that site. He wrote the mock draft, and he had Carson Strong, the quarterback we're talking about, Carson Strong going number one overall in his mock draft. Yeah, and so there are going to be people that love him already, um, as Justin and I said. It's Is that a hot take? Should we, should we apply the yeah. flame sound to that? <laughs> I was going to say, it's probably, for, for Justin and I, it's a little too soon. Yeah. Let's. But uh, I did find it interesting. You know, they, they're starting up a site there and uh, got spicy with, with the number one overall pick. But yeah, Carson Strong. And we got a little bit Mountain West happy here, this section of our group of yeah. five rankings, because we had uh, Boise. We, had, well, we think Boise's going to be a little better than Nevada, but Nevada might have the best receiver, uh, the best QB receiver combo, right? Yeah, and let's be honest, the Mountain West is fun to watch when you're drinking at 10 p.m. at night. So, is it 10 p.m. in Arizona too? Because it's, <laughs> I think it, I think it's usually like eight eight o'clock here. Okay, I, Cause I don't get to yeah, watch. Yeah, I'm picking them up so. about nine o'clock, nine thirty, and that's that's usually I'm usually good for the first half, and then I gotta, you know, find catch up to what happened the next day. Uh, from there, we go to San Jose State. Again, a lot of these guys, and the reason that we uh, that we pick them is it, it either goes with 
um, how they were last year. San Jose State was 7-1 last year, and they returned 18 of 22 starters, including 10 of 11 on defense. That makes it really intriguing to 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 you know kind of pimp them as the team to look out for um and then but then they do stuff like this and bring in nick starkle um six year as as a uh he started last year he he started last year for them too so no i know uh, and that's and that's the thing is like you've got you got starkle in his six years he's a super senior yep um He's on his third team. I was going to say he's had a tour of the SEC from Texas A&M to Arkansas. Um, The question becomes, can they – because, I mean, San Jose State was a bad program. And so can they, um, you know, find the the same magic uh, two years in a row? That's going to be the question – that they have to answer. Um, yeah, to give to give everybody an idea of what San Jose State was uh, before last year. So maybe they just caught a little COVID year magic be, because before they went seven and one last year, and they were six and zero oh in the conference. By the way, um, their head coach Brett Brennan was eight and twenty nine in his first three years with the program. So that gives you an idea. So I don't know, man. Maybe Nick Starkle is actually the savior of this team, and I like and I like Nick Starkle because he has a sense of humor. He tweeted out a picture of himself, uh, aged with fully gray hair and a gray beard, and uh, when he said he was coming back, when he announced that he was coming back for this season, and yeah, he's he's a player well, who's also we, we know he's on the radar of the Shrine Game. I saw we saw yeah. our friend uh, Eric Galco tweet out about Nick Starkle early on when he starts every Monday. Eric uh, tweets out a couple quarterbacks. Watch Starkle's on on uh, the radar for one of these postseason games. You know, and it's funny about Starkle. We can joke, but he he's not the guy that is the physically great player. Um, I know that sounds weird, but you look at you know his history. He had just under 1,800 yards as a freshman or as a redshirt sophomore um, at A&M, 14 touchdowns to six interceptions. He transfers after little use as a a, uh, second-year sophomore, I guess, and then heads to Arkansas as a junior. And, again, not great, just under 1,200 yards, and he had – Seven touchdowns, ten interceptions. Last year, his first at, at San Jose State improved everywhere. Sixty-four percent completion percentage, 20, 2,100 yards, and seventeen touchdowns and seven interceptions. Again, that's only in eight games. So that, while he hasn't been great, that's the improvement that Justin and I always talk about when we talk about quarterbacks. Now, obviously. When you talk about Starkle, age is the biggest thing that you're going to have to de- overcome um, when it comes to the quarter or when it comes to NFL draft, you know, positioning. Next on the list, Appalachian State, nine and three last year. Um, they get an interesting transfer. Chase was, Bryce. Yeah. yeah, he was good enough to play at Clemson. Or get recruited by Clemson, right? Um, and then <laughs> good, good, good enough, save, good enough to play at Duke, but not and, good enough to stay at Duke. And then, and you know, and now he's gonna be there at uh, at Appalachian State. This is what we've talked about before when it comes to players and and figuring out how how they fit in. You know, he has played at Clemson. He, he had. Um, just over a thousand yards in, in two seasons, nine touchdowns to four interceptions. Um, got his shot at Duke, and you know, let's be honest, failed. Uh, that's all. I mean, that's literally all you can say about it. Fifty, fifty-five percent completion percentage, just over or just under twenty-two hundred yards, but ten touchdowns to fifteen interceptions. I know Duke is bad. Uh, we talked about it with the David Cutcliffe conversation, but 
they went from five and seven to two and nine with him leading the way. And like you said, now you get a Appalachian State. They've you know they're coming off a, a nine and three season. The year before that, they were thirteen and one. The year before that, they were eleven and two. This is going to be a big ask for uh, Chase Bryce to to come in and be the guy and and kind of lead them. But that's what the expectation is. Yeah, because their their leading returning passer has thrown three passes. He threw three passes last year, so they have a full on wide open uh, quarterback competition, and Bryce is part of it. So uh, we'll see. He's expected at this point to win the job. Uh, head coach is Sean Clark. He's he took over when uh, I think was it when Satterfield left for Louisville. And he was in his first full season last year when they went nine and three. So um, we'll see what he can do with Bryce. I don't have. I watched Bryce play quite a bit last year because I think Jim Nagy was talking about him early in the year as a possible Senior Bowl guy, and he just quite simply did not deliver. He's one of the worst starting quarterbacks in college football last year with those fifteen picks. <clears throat> they do have a uh, running back who looks like he might be a star for them. Cameron Peoples, he had 1,124 yards and 12 touchdowns last year. But you have to keep in mind that 317 of those yards and five of those touchdowns came in the bowl game. So that gives those stats are a little bit inflated for a 12-game season because so much of the bulk of that happened in that one game. But he does look like he's going to be the primary focus on their offense uh, they got nine defensive starters coming back, though, so should be a pretty solid group there. And App State looks like probably the, you know, uh, sec, uh, third best, maybe. I guess we've got them as the third best Sun Belt team behind Louisiana and Coastal Carolina. So they could. Yeah, and those were, I mean, those were two of their three losses last year. So it, yeah. it does make and sense. And I think they will be again, you know, if they have to play those teams this year. And and you look at it, you know, we'll talk about a couple of these guys. It, and they actually play them back to back this year. Yeah, they actually play those two. It's going to be a lot to ask for them, um, but they're good. I mean, they're a good team. Let's not take anything away, anything away from them. But you're probably talking again. You know, if they get all twelve games, and you're you're probably talking ten and two, nine and three team, um, and a and a bad bowl game because that's the way the Bulls do small schools like Appalachian State. Uh, finally, another independent. To close things out, number 11, BYU. I mean, no team has to overcome more, right? I mean, this is this is what's this is what separates Clemson, Alabama, um, Ohio State from schools like BYU. Um, you go right, from B- BYU B- has B- to bring in 11 new starters, and they well, don't reload like those other programs. And and you know they go from being eleven and one. Kalani Sataki is in his sixth season. Uh, he's thirty eight and twenty six. He's not been good. Not been uh, bad. But I mean, he was he was a five hundred coach until last year, um, and then you know he he gets that eleven and one boost, and that's a huge that's a huge deal. And, but that's the question: is what do they get? How do they replace um, Zach, Zach Wilson? Wilson. Yeah. They've got you know two guys um, that are battling it out right now. So we'll see who they come up with because Wilson was dynamic um, and gave them you know made up for a lot of things with them. The nice thing is they do have a good running back in, in Tyler Algier. Yeah. I'm not sure. That's uh, right. Th- that had over 1,100 yards and 13 touchdowns last year. So whoever wins the quarterback competition, and, and they're saying it's four, you know, they can be up to four guys. Um, it sounds like it's going to be either Romney or, or Jaron Hall as the guy. Um, but I guess we'll see how kind of that all pants out right yeah they've got baylor romney in the quarterback competition they've got gunner romney who is their gonna be their star receiver a couple guys who sound like they should be on a crew team instead of football team but 
Gunnar Romney actually looks like a pretty legit player. And then they've also got uh, a tight end, Isaac Rex, who had 429 yards receiving last year and 12 TDs on 37 catches. So he looks like he could be he's he's going to be one of the quarterback's best friend type of tight ends for them. And he was only a freshman last year, so he's coming back. Um, you know, and BYU, they, a lot of times their players are older because they've gone on missions. But um, Rex is, in football years, he's young, and he's going to uh, probably be their main target besides Gunnar Romney. And and they lost three starting offensive linemen, I believe, which is going to be another, you know, issue to overcome. Um, and they're a young team. I mean, you look at it, the, their best players are, you know uh, – they're young in terms of playing, as Justin said. They're they're all old. They're all like Justin's age, but they're <laughs> you know they are young in terms of college um, experience, and so that'll be the big thing for them this they've year. They've got to play. They've got to play Arizona and ASU and Utah. So they've got to play three Pac-12 teams out of conference. So that'll give them some kind of measuring stick um, as far as. As uh, you know, how good they are versus the Pac-12, which you know we're not too high on. They've also got actually another one, Washington State. They've got to play them too. Uh, they've got to play at Baylor, and they have uh, Virginia. So those are, and they've got to play at USC. So a tough, t- kind of a tough uh, road for them to hoe with their, because they're an independent. They're an independent team, so they've got to piece together schedules by playing schools from other conference. It's very Pac-12 heavy. Their their schedule is very Pac-12 heavy this year, and they play those uh, all those Power Five teams. You know, I think there's seven on here that they play from the Power Five. So it's gonna be tough uh, for them. We'll see how they rebuild. They had a really soft schedule last year because they were one of the only. They were one of the first teams to commit to playing in 2020. And yeah, they, they were like they, they were like we're in. <laughs> yeah, and they pieced together that that 2020 schedule kind of from scratch, and then they and and we talked through about it. it. I mean, yeah, we talked about it. They they you know had that scramble game against Coastal Carolina, and they that was by far their worst game they played all season, um, offensively. And Coastal Carolina has a very good defense. I, we don't right. want to take anything away from them, but it was clear that they just weren't prepared for that game. Um, and it showed Zach Wilson looked pedestrian in that game. Yeah. Um, and that spoiler, we're going to talk about one of those Coastal Carolina defenders uh, coming up on the Patreon show. <laughs> so anything else before we get to the uh, final part of the show today? Any other names uh, no, or I- players you want to throw out there? No, I, I think uh, you know. If, for those of you that are listening, if you think we snubbed one of the one of the group of five teams or uh, one of the independents, shoot us an email at the draft breakdown podcast at gmail.com. Tweet us at db underscore pod, or you could tweet me at afc to nfc the number two, or you could tweet Seth, but uh, that probably won't go anywhere. So. Exactly. Stick to one of those modes of, con- of communication, and we will get back to you possibly on next week's show. Yep, and I mean you can always tweet me, but it, there's a reason I have my uh, notifications turned off. Uh, Do you even my, have the app my, on your phone? Uh, yeah, I downloaded it again. Okay. Uh, <laughs> my, my yeah, my wonderful wife went on a, a trip to Chicago this last weekend for. Uh, a bachelorette party for a friend and and she gets on the plane and um if you want to see the tweet itself it's up on my twitter at scox under, underscore fb um or no it's just scox fb don't you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm somewhere around there it is uh, scox fb yep and and you know she gets settled in for her flight and Ready to go, and this lovely uh, person sitting in front of her decided that she was going to use my wife's uh, the screen and her tray as like a hair a hair rest for her <laughs> hair, and flipped her hair over it. Uh, 
she she texts me about it. There's been some comments that are like, oh, this was staged. I can promise you this was not staged. My wife doesn't even, well, she knows now, but she didn't even know I put it on Twitter because my wife doesn't have a Twitter. And, um, and she finally had to ask the lady during drink service to kindly remove her hair because uh, it was getting in her drink. And she was like... <laughs> She was like, what is your problem? Like, is flight etiquette dead? I mean, yes. I know I know I'm I'm gonna sound old and whatever here, but you know, it it was funny back in the day, you know, you used to wear nice clothes when you got on a flight, right? Like <laughs> it used to be a big deal. Now I mean every day you see people on Twitter posting pictures of people that are either clipping their toenails or taking their shoes off and putting them like on, on somebody else's seat or on somebody else. I and think that's pretty mild too. I think a lot of times you're seeing videos of people brawling. There was a video last <laughs> week of, of a flight attendant duct taping a passenger to a seat. And uh, uh, I think that the whole, <laughs> the whole masking on planes thing has added a new wrinkle. So you've got a lot of conflict about that. You know, some flights, you can put that thing around your chin and uh, sip on a drink the whole way. And, and some of those flights I've been on, the flight attendants can get pretty pretty vigilant. I'll be charitable and call it pretty vigilant about enforcing uh, the rules. So, um, yeah, my take would be follow the rules and follow the etiquette. And even if you want to wear your PJs on the plane, which I don't have a problem with, please keep your hair out of other people's drinks. <laughs> oh gosh! And I, I, I should advocate as a tall person. I'm six foot three. Um, if you could, if it's not a red eye, try not to recline, just so I keep my drink just a little bit out of my lap. <laughs> yeah, and that's it from us today. Um, that's the group of five, and it. You know, I think we've talked about it a little bit. If there was ever a year to get a team in, this might be the year with how uncertain it is at the top with the the best schools. You know, Clemson, Georgia, Ohio State, um, Alabama. The best schools have questions. And uh, Oklahoma, I should mention Oklahoma as well, obviously the number one team in the nation. The, the best schools just have such big questions they have to answer that this could be the year that you see a group of five team, not a Notre Dame, you know, but a true small school uh, in, independent group of five sneak in because we just, there's so many questions about the best teams. Um, yeah. You're going to need about four or five of those top teams to to choke. I don't mean in the traditional sense, but I mean in the lose two games in the regular season type of sense. Yeah, and Uh, this is the year where you could see that um, just because of the uncertainty. But like we said, a lot of first time starting quarterbacks. And, um, you know, I think that's why Oklahoma is the favorite early because Rattlers in year two, but you got Bryce Young. In his first year, you got uh, – we don't know who's going to be Ohio State's quarterback. It could be It's probably going to be C.J. Stroud. you got D.J.U., first-year uh, starter at Clemson. All these guys are highly regarded, but they haven't they haven't started games. In Stroud's case, right. he hasn't thrown a pass. So we just don't know. I don't think it's going to happen, though, Seth. I think we're going to be don't, look, I don't either, looking at uh, but... maybe one of these teams – Maybe Louisiana or Cincinnati or, you know, uh, Coastal Carolina getting into a, a New Year's Six, but no playoffs for the group of five this year. Yeah, and I, I would agree with that. And, and who knows? I mean, this may be the year you get two of these small schools in, and it's the it's the year where everybody screams and yells. And, <laughs> and then the – Number, the, number uh, five, uh, Liberty – Against number six, Coastal Carolina. Right, exactly. So a rematch. A rematch. 
that'll be it from us tonight. We appreciate you listening as always. If you want the extra episode every week, check out our Patreon page. Um, we have an extra bonus show every week for $2 a month. That's right, $2 a month, not a week, not a day, not anything else, just a month. Um, you subscribe, that'll show up in your inbox every Thursday or Friday when those get released, um, depending on how busy we are. But, yeah, there. I mean, it's every Thursday, Friday. It's just e- either Thursday or Friday. Um, yeah. And then Justin's been cranking out prospect previews, and that's part of the $4 a month tier. If you want to give that a listen or give that a look, it would, uh, you know, it would really behoove you. But yeah, we appreciate it, it helps us grow the show. Yeah, it helps us grow the show and uh, helps us make improvements where we where we can and it helps us uh, take care of our producer and it helps uh, Seth's kids eat. Yeah, exactly, because they he's eat got, a lot. So. He's got five of them. That's a big grocery bill. Yeah, so, but that's it from us tonight. We appreciate you guys listening as always, and we'll be back next week as we start. Actually, next week we might take a week off the iTunes episode and uh, and get ready for week one, or, or I guess it's technically week zero of the yep. college football season. But we're um, we're very close to uh, actual games, so we'll, yeah. that'll take on a new form. Uh, we've been doing previews for a while this summer, and now we're going to be, you know, previewing games and talking about prospects. And I, I might add, if you go to the Patreon, it just, uh, you know, go check out the episodes we've been doing all summer. You'll get some really good background uh, between that and my prospect previews that I've done. There are a lot of names out there to know, and we've got a ton of them covered. So, uh, and we'll keep covering more and more. Yep, and that'll be it from us tonight. We appreciate you guys listening as always, and we'll be back soon with another episode of the Original Draft Breakdown Podcast. Have a great night, everybody. What do you guys think for the outro for now? Um, I mean, I don't know yet. We'd pro- we might be able to record something. We can, for now, we could do, um,